Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Almighty Podcast. If you've been listening for any length of time, you know what I'm about to say. This is Mike Atkins from NerdsOnEarth.com. That's Adam. That's all the introduction that we want to do today because we are excited to get yeah, into these two episodes featuring, this week featuring, probably easily, I would say, the best episode of My Hero Academia thus far in our in our uh, viewing timeline. So I would have to agree. 29 is hands down the best episode we've seen so far. Yes, it is. But before we get to 29, we need to perform due diligence, make our way through 28, which wasn't a shabby episode, but in comparison, everything else uh, pales to episode 29. So why don't you kick us off with where we begin, where we pick right back up, actually, with episode 28, which is called Midoriya and Shigaraki. Yeah, so episode 28, it kind of starts us off, I mean, it's like you said, it leads right into where we left off from episode 27. Midoriya has kind of realized that he needs to circulate his powers all throughout his body instead of concentrating in just like one punch or a kick or even just a finger flick like he has been doing. He's got to have this circulation going nonstop, right? So he's charging up and he's got, I think he says, what, 5% of his, his power is being charged through his body at all times now? Yep. And I got to say, he looks really cool when he's charging up. And I really wish he stayed that way. You know what I mean? Like, he kind of gets that glow to him. He's got the red X on his face or whatever. Like, I think he looks really cool when he's powered up. And I'm kind of bummed that he, like, he, he just goes back to looking normal. Yeah. After I, it finishes circulating, I guess. I kind of like the, the visual, too. Because I always thought that the visual back when he was constantly using 100% made it look like he was literally about to, like rip apart at the seams because the amount of power that he was channeling. But even when he's doing 5%, it has that similar aesthetic and I dig it a hundred percent. Yeah, no, I definitely like it a lot. Uh, we get a really awesome fight between him and Gran Torino. Uh, basically he's got three minutes to hit Gran Torino with a smash as powerful as he can handle, which at this point is 5%. And you know, he does his thing where Gran Torino jumps around like crazy. Midoriya is trying to find kind of an outing hides under a couch. He's almost able to get a punch off. Uh, I, I like this. This is a good evolution in my mind for Midoriya. Like this is, I think a really clear next step in his kind of power level. You know, this is a, I, I almost equivalent this, equivalent? That's not a word. We're going to use it. It is not. It in. <laughs> uh, I, this reminds me of like uh, Kaioken for Dragon Ball Z, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's him and, and he even, he calls it the full cowling and cowling is just a fancier word for coverage. So he's, he's even got a name for this already. He's just calling it what it is. It's 5% all over. Um, and it's, it's something that, again, he's working on trying to sustain instead of channeling instantaneously. And Gran Torino is putting him to work. I think the challenge is to do it for three minutes um, initially. And they do this uh, presumably multiple times before they uh, kind of call it quits. And I think even then Midoriya's like, we need to keep doing this. This is something I need to get real good at real fast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, he seems pretty excited to be at this place. You know what I mean? Yeah, is it? I think it's in this first little bout too that he does manage to actually, like I think he gets frustrated. He goes to smash Gran Torino and presumably misses. He says something about Gran Torino dodging, but he does manage to like cut Gran Torino's cheek a yeah, little bit. Yeah, it's like real subtle. Like I think it's like that little bruising, you know, like oh, it probably swiped his cheek or something. Right, right. But you know, for as fast as Gran Torino is. Even Gran Torino's like, nobody's made me dodge, you know, nobody has forced me to dodge like that in years and years. So, you know, there's some kudos flying around the room already, even though he is far from having this, like, fully mastered and under control, even at 5%. 
Definitely. Um, and, and, you know, we, we lead off from here into these kind of like another quick montage scene. They, they really do a great job in this series of keeping you informed with what's happening to a lot of the other heroes, I think. Uh, you know, we get like a, a Chaco training montage. Um, there was an awesome scene where Fourth Kind is mad about cold tea and he's beating up on Kirishima yeah, yeah. and Tetsu, 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 Tetsu. Uh, I like that a lot. Uh, Bakugo has a quick scene where uh, the the new genus is what his name was, I think. Best genus. Best genus, that's what it is. Uh, new genus is just too good of a name. The, the best genus like cuts his hair. He's got pretty hair now, and uh, you know Momo was out there scheduling Lady Snake for all of her like photo shoots and, and commercial shots, uh, and that kind of leads us into a really neat scene between All Might and the investigator that has shown up. I guess they're really really close friends. Uh, he was the one that was investigating Nomu from last season, uh, so it's, they they find out some interesting stuff about Nomu here. Yeah, and bef- before we jump into that, just real quick, just a fast note about the scene with Best Genius in Bakugo. Is the Best Genius says a hero must be able to give people peace of mind, and that's when he gives Bakugo this like flatter, kind of greased, slicked back looking haircut. Oh yeah, and it made me think of like Miss Congeniality a little bit, where they take like Sandra Bullock and she's so unrefined and they try to like make her something that she isn't. And in the end, she just needed to be who she was at the beginning, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. So that, that, that did make me laugh, but yeah, we, we, we meet up. I think the detective's name is Sukochi, Sukachi, something like this. Um, and he's briefing all might on what they've come to know about Nomu because Nomu ended up in police custody at the end of the battle at the USJ. And because of the d- inherent design of the Nomu, he's docile because he's not being ordered around. So they've been able to run some tests on him. They find out that Nomu was just some sort of street thug, like wasn't anybody of any note or merit. Um, I have in here in my notes that his quirk was apparently that he has Magikarp lips. I think that's what the thug's <laughs> original quirk is. That's um, awesome. <laughs> because when they show his like uh, his mugshot or whatever, I was like, good Lord, he had those lips initially. Um, yeah. that wasn't, <laughs> so that wasn't a result of him being bioengineered. Um, so he's not strictly a test tube bioengineered from the ground up baby then. It was yeah. something that... And this becomes a big talking point um, because the detective says he's got DNA from at least four different people in him. And so the detective says there's likely somebody out there with a quirk who can give other people quirks. And yeah, it says that his, his DNA has been modified to hold more than one quirk at a time. Which, right. Like that seems, that seems insane, you know? I wondered, have we seen his feet? Does this mean that he has even more toes? Oh, that's, I don't know. I hadn't. I hadn't thought about that. That's that's a that's probably a not. But um, <laughs> but I did get the impression that All Might had maybe an idea of who this person who can give other people quirks might be. Yeah, because at the end, doesn't he say something like he's really freaked out about that comment? And he says, uh, "It can't be. He can't be back." And right. I'm, yeah. I'm assuming he's talking about this guy that injured him. That's that's kind of what I was under the impression of. I thought okay. I think I think we've talked about this before. I must still be confused about. I thought Toxic Chainsaw was the dude that got him. No, no. So that's the guy that Midoriya thought got him, and he's like, "No, this was." And this is actually something I'm going to bring up here in a minute. He he mentions like, "No, this fight was not televised. I did everything ah. in my power to make sure nobody saw it." That's so right, we that's we don't right. know anything about this villain that has injured him, other than it was a pretty nasty fight. I can appreciate that too, because all might going down to some guy named the Toxic Chainsaw doesn't feel right, but that's no. still in my head, Kane, and I still got to shake it loose. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I get what you're saying. Um, that was a really quick, like, they mentioned it, I want to say, in episode one or two, and that was it. You know, because that was up when he was up on the rooftop and he found, first saw All Might detransform into Jinko jeans. Yeah, yeah. So. And that scene is short, too. We kind of bounce from th- this. This episode really is a bunch of short scenes. It really is. And the funny thing is, is it even felt like a short episode. I, I mean, I know that like these episodes run for like, what, 24 minutes or something? Right. But this one felt like I blinked and it was over. And I'm like, oh my God. So there's there's a lot of interaction between Stain and Shigaraki. And last time we left this particular setting, uh, Stain had begun to threaten Shigaraki because of um, what he didn't like. He didn't like the cut of Shigaraki's jibe. I mean, he he got real upset about it, and so he um, brandishes his daggers. Well, they're not daggers; they're like crocodile Dundee combat knives. <laughs> That's not a um, knife. <laughs> yeah, jumps jumps at Shigaraki. I mean, you had that whole thing where Kurogiri was asking whoever's in charge, "Should we just let this play out? What am I supposed to do?" So Stain is standing over top of Shigaraki, threatening him. And this, th- some of this conversation that takes place here reminded me actually of an episode of Firefly. It's what it's actually my favorite episode of Firefly. I wrote about this for Nerds on Earth um, called War Stories. And there's this great scene um, in the at the very beginning of this episode where this guy named Niska is is basically torturing somebody, and he's quoting from this philosopher named Sean Yu that exists in this world. And he says, Sean Yu, part of Sean Yu's philosophy was that if you live with a man for 40 years, you share his house, his meals, you speak on every subject, but then you tie him up and hold him over the volcano's edge, and on that day, you'll finally meet that man. And I kind of got the sense that that is kind of what Stain is doing, is he's, he's threatening Shigaraki to, to hear what tune he's really going to be singing, because he's, you know, this is just like any other interview, where they bring Stain in you know, for an interview process, but the person who is being interviewed also gets the chance to ask some questions and, and discern some things. And so Stain is in that process here with Shigaraki. He's got him pinned down, is threatening him, um, and and is trying to figure out who he really is. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting too, because even, I we don't really see what happens. We just get led into this scene where Shigaraki is already pinned down but I think he asked Kuragiri for help, or he mentions to Kuragiri, like, hey, get this guy off of me. And Kuragiri is completely paralyzed. He's been cut by Stain, and so he's not moving. Shigaraki's not moving. And we get this really, I loved it anyways. I thought it was a cool scene where Stain is about to cut one of those weird, like, hands off of Shigaraki's face. And Shigaraki grabs his sword and just rusts it, like, immediately. Like, it falls into pieces. Um, that's when they kind of get up, and I don't want to say they make up. I'm actually, I'm kind of confused on their relationship, and, and confused is really a strong word here, uh, but it doesn't make sense, because there's this scene where Stain is kind of like, well, you're not really the kind of person I want to hang out and deal with, but then, you know, Shigaraki's like, well, I don't really want anything to do with you either. Right. And Kiragiri is like, come on, guys, like, it would be really great if we could work together. And then they all three end up going somewhere together anyways. Like, they're working together, but they're not. So, I, I don't know. It's uh, I feel like the way that Shigaraki and the League of Villains all kind of fit in is kind of strange to me. Like, I thought Shigaraki reported to Kuragiri, who reported to the quote-unquote masters. But now I'm not sure, because I feel like Shigaraki goes over Kuragiri's head, or maybe they're on even footing. Like, I don't really understand the dynamics of the League of Villains structure. Does that make sense? Yeah, I kind of feel like 
Shigaraki is being groomed to be the head of whatever kind of structure exists, and Kurogiri is more like a lieutenant or a second-hand man. He, he clearly has some measure of authority that a bunch of those other thug villains didn't when they were at the USJ. Yeah, and I wonder if that's just determined by power, right? Like, they kind of let the pawns go first at USJ, and, you know, Shigaraki clearly has a pretty neat power. Kirigiri has a very important power. I wonder if that's kind of the structure there, and it makes me curious, like, what the master's quirks would even be like, you know what I mean? Yeah, and in the manga, there there's this line between Stain and Shigaraki that kind of gives you an idea of how it is that they're able to work alongside one another. If you could even call it that, because let's be honest, at the beginning of the next episode, or sometime in the next episode, Shigaraki just straight up lets out a bunch of Nomu against Stain. Like, he's like, sick him. Um, so they're not, they're not exactly, you know, handshaking partners in anything. No, that's very true. Um, but in this, in this conversation, uh, Stain says that the one ambition that they have in common is destroying the status quo. And I think that obviously the way that they're going about destroying that status quo is going to be radically different for Stain. I think his work is, is for the benefit of society and for the betterment and the purity of what heroism is and those who participate in it. I think that he struggles with the fact that he, I think part of his philosophy is that heroes aren't hired or employed. The heroes are those people who are heroes out of necessity um, of others, not for their own gain. Um, and for, so that's the way he's trying to shake up the status quo. He doesn't like the status quo because he thinks that they're a bunch of fakers, um, it, amongst the hero ranks. And then you have Shigaraki on the other side, who also doesn't like the status quo because he's not the king of it all. Um, yeah. that he is, he is out to be the dominant force. He wants to rule it. Um, and, and so, yes, there is a, a shared, desire to shake things up but they are they that is that is coming from two totally different places yeah yeah Yeah. definitely definitely but that kind of you know we once we see the two of them i don't even want to say make up i guess they decide to go and destroy this city together i mean we we see them disappear we get transitioned over to a scene between ida and the person that he's been training under who is named the normal hero um, I have in my notes, a.k.a. the lame hero, because he doesn't really do much, at least as far as I can tell. he To me, he just seems 100% totally average, like run-of-the-mill hero. Th- there's nothing about this guy that stands out in my mind, uh, but he does give kind of a really great point to Ida. He's talking about how he's really shocked that someone of the, that family would even entertain being part of his small little hero group. You know, like he, he doesn't have it doesn't seem like he's one of the massive like conglomerates of the hero companies, I guess you could say. Uh, he's just kind of doing like it, it to me. It seems like he's almost like a uh, like a bicycle cop. You know yeah, what I mean? he's he's definitely street level. Like there are yeah. there are different classifications for heroes in comic books and things like that. You got your street level heroes. You got your superheroes and you got your cosmic levels or whatever he's street level that's totally what he is in in fact the author of the manga has like a little sidebar page on him um and he horikoshi just says the concept with him was to have him not stand out in any way he's totally average a modern hero who does things by the book that is why and this is me speaking over top of what horikoshi wrote that is why he's called the normal hero manual manual being 
by like a book. He he does things by that book. That's what he is. That's what he does, which is fine. It's just yeah. just it's just he knows he knows what he is and he owns right. it. Well, and and that's kind of what he's talking to Ida about, like doing things by the book. Like you're a hero, you have powers. The only reason you're really allowed to use them is because of the way the government is incorporating us into this world. Like you should never ever use your powers to seek out vengeance. Like you can tell that the normal hero kind of is on to Ida, right? And he he tells him um, he shouldn't use his quirk for personal gain because it would be a very serious crime. And, and that makes me wonder if they have like checks and balances within these different hero organizations to even like do investigations into if a hero is being selfish with their powers. I guess I, I can't think of a better word to use other than selfish. Yeah, like internal uh, affairs for heroes. Yeah, and and on top of that, it even made me wonder. You know, do you think at some point in time that All Might did something like this? Like we don't really know what happened between him and this this villain that hurt him as bad as he did, but it makes me wonder if All Might went after this villain for personal gain, and that's the reason he tried so hard to keep everything off the TV. Like I I love All Might. He is probably easily my favorite character. There's something about him that just really like I love this guy, right? But I don't believe that he has just been this 100% goody two shoes his entire life. Like I get the feeling we're going to see or hear some pretty bad stuff about him in the upcoming episodes. See, I'm more inclined to agree with what you said earlier about him that this incident involving him going after somebody who did use their powers in a way that they shouldn't like in, in answer to your question that you asked, like, is there like an internal affairs thing? I would say no, because I would I would think that it would be a self-policing sort of thing. Where, like self-regulated kind of thing? Yeah, where, I mean, that's what we see go down between the normal hero and Ida, where he, the normal hero is like, listen, I, I understand that, you know, you're, I, I'm on to your game. I and mean, he just straight up, straight up just says something like, listen, um, I'm not saying that the hero killer should get away with this, talking about the incident with his brother. He knows. Um, and, and he's going in ahead and trying to cut that off here in, a, in an effort to self-police. And, and the thing that he says, you know, he says heroes must not use their quirks for themselves. They're to be other-oriented only. Um, he discourages vigilantism, it's, and he's, he even says it's a very serious crime if you do commit vigilantism, um, because otherwise, how would they then be differentiated from the villains themselves? It starts blurring the morality line. And I had in my notes, too, I was like, how will Ida take this? Because this is the guy, Ida is the guy who didn't even like it when someone sat on a desktop in a classroom or ran late. I mean, you want to talk about somebody who is a rule follower, a stickler for what is good, what is honorable. And he's receiving a very, a, a, a message from the normal hero that is in line with what Ida up to this point, up before Ingenium was attacked, Ida would be all about what this guy was saying. He would be standing up in class and like, yes, this is it, right? This is, this is part, this is what a hero was like. But now he's struggling with this because it's been made personal. And so this is a really interesting moment for Ida, you know, where the guy who took desk rules so seriously is now up against a rule that has much more consequence when it's, when it's violated. And he's still at a point of extreme conflict within himself as to what he's going to do about it. Yeah, and it's interesting you say all that, too, because it kind of reminds me of, like, when we first saw Ida, when he was trying out for uh, UA, 
we see him running away from that massive robot, you know, and and he's running away. He sees Midoriya running towards the robot, and he thinks to himself, like, that's what a real hero would do. So from the get-go, Ida has had this consistent battle of what a real hero is, I think, in his mind. And now he's out on the streets trying to be a real hero, and he's doing the exact opposite of what I think he's always told himself he would do. Yep. You know what I mean? And we even get to see... Midoriya doing that exact same thing in this next episode, like running oh, towards great. the danger. It's it's it, we get to see all this stuff play out before Ida's eyes once again, where he's going to be reminded, not just verbally but primarily verbally, as to what a hero is, and not even just from heroes. I mean, he gets it from Stain. We'll talk about that. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Yeah, well, it's hard not to. Episode twenty nine is so freaking good. It is good. Uh, but to to wrap up uh, twenty eight. You know, we go back and we see Gran Torino and Midoriya. They're they've been training probably all day. You know, like just trying to get the one for all into a place where Midoriya knows how to do it. And Gran Torino tells him like, "All right, we got to stop because you're only fighting me. And if you only fight me, you're probably going to end up with some weird side effects if you ever fight someone else because you're probably going to try to fight them like you're fighting me." Let's just go on to phase two. You're ready for it. So put on your suit. We're going to go out and we're going to fight some bad guys. Uh, and they're actually going to a whole other city. Uh, I can't remember which city they're going to. They're not heading towards Hosu. Were they heading towards Tokyo? They were heading towards another city by way of Hosu, like they were going to pass by Hosu. I didn't write the name of the city down. Okay. Uh, but we know that the reason they're going there is because it sounds like uh, Gran Torino knows that this is kind of a rougher area. So he was hoping to be able to maybe get some lower end petty crime stuff for Midoriya to handle, I think. Yeah. And it was it was uh, partly because of just population density. But Midoriya is right. freaking out because apparently the place that they're going is kind of like higher society. And so he's like worried about being seen in his costume. Um, but yeah, they, they're going to, the train is going to take them by Hosu. And boy, does it, because uh, on yeah. their right... Well, bef- again, I get ahead of myself, because there's this great scene that I want to talk about. And this is totally... This appeals to me because of my day job, right? As a, as a youth pastor, as a youth director. There's this scene where Midori is on his phone and is texting to Ida. He's not texting with. Ida doesn't respond. And Gran Torino says, using his smartphone with someone next to him, kids these days. You know, he just is an old grump about it, <laughs> which is which is really funny. But even funnier than that is if you look down at Midoriya's phone, Ida's icon, like the little picture next to his text messages, is a, a set of glasses, just like the one this, that he wears. Really? I don't think I picked up yep, on that. And guess what Midoriya's icon is? One Midoriya's was all Yes, it was, it, it was. That's what I thought. Yeah. Because so, I thought he was texting All Might. I was really confused. I'm like, why is, what's going on here? But yeah, no, that's funny. Yeah, his, it's just funny to me that Midoriya's icon is 100% All Might, which is funny. Um, and that's, that's Midoriya awesome. gets left on red. I think that's what kids are saying these days. Like he texts Ida. Yeah. And he sees that Ida has read the text but doesn't respond back. Um, and about the time that he's thinking, wondering aloud about this, um, a Nomu just or a hero actually gets knocked into the side of the train and chaos begins to erupt. Yeah. This poor hero too. Like we see this Nomu just crash through the freaking train and he's, he's got this hero's head in his hand and he's just crushing it. And then Grant Torino is like, Oh shit, <laughs> here we go. No, he doesn't. He doesn't hesitate at all though. Grant yeah, Torino so he does jumps not into hesitate. Action and he jumps great. out the side of the bus and then he, he's leaving Midoriya there to be like, Whoa, what's going on here? And of course all of the passengers even notice that there are like buildings exploding in the background. Cause at this point the Nomus have been released by, Shigaraki. I mean, he has sicked them out on the city to go get Stain. I think he even says something along the lines of, like, 
go and get him, like ruin Hurtstain's pride, something along this line. I mean, he's sicked them onto the city specifically to yeah. to go and, and well, see. And I wasn't sure Stain if he was to trying try to, to one up Stain him. or if he was trying to kill Stain with the Nomus at first. And I'm, I kind of got the feeling at the beginning of episode 29 that he didn't care what he was doing. Like, I'm sicking Nomus on the city. I don't care if they kill Stain. I don't care if they kill heroes. I just want them to kill them. So Shigaraki in this scene, in this moment, in this attack on on Hosu, proves himself to be a villain's villain. And it's it's made even more clear in a scene a little bit later on in this episode where he's seen asking for permission to use the Nomus, uh, talking to his master, you know, the, the guy whose face we haven't seen but whose voice we've heard. And the master's like, well, what do you need the Nomus for? And Shigaraki says, well, I can destroy the things I don't like, can't I, master? And I feel like that's a question that Shigaraki already knows the master's answer to already. Uh, and I think that because specifically, I think the master is grooming Shigaraki to be that way. I mean, a villain does what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And so this is a desire. Shigaraki is upset with this stained guy yeah. and wants him to be a smear on the pavement. And so he's just like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go do it because that's, that's what I want. It's kind of a, Reminds me of the scene from the first Ninja Turtles movie where these kids are going to be recruited onto the Foot Ninja Clan and they walk into this warehouse and this guy who's, you know, one of the already established Foot Ninjas is just like, hey, whatever you want to do, do it. Whenever you want to do it. It doesn't matter. Just do you, man. Do whatever you want. Because, you know, us bad guys, we're not, we're not burdened with boundaries or morals. We just do what we want. It is completely desire-driven. Yeah, no, and we see do. that in Shigaraki here. Uh, and, and, you know, it's... It's crazy because there's some extent of that that we even see in Ida to some extent at the end of episode 28 here, especially because, you know, we've got this scene where yes. these Nomus are attacking. The normal hero is trying to get stuff under control. And Ida realizes, like, okay, this is not Hero Killer Stain's motif. Like, this is very flashy, big bangs. This Hero Killer Stain likes to be kind of in the dark corners and alleys. And that's when he runs off. He finds Hero Killer Stain. And this guy is already trying to kill another pro hero. And Ida doesn't even really realize it. He's just like, oh, I'm here for one thing. And that is to get vengeance for my brother. He goes to attack Hero Killer Stain. And, of course, Stain just whips his butt. Like, just throws him on the ground. Not even, he's no match for Stain at all. And he's like, well, you know, I don't like killing kids, but I also don't mind it. And he starts to just rip into Ida, and that ends episode 28. So you're left on a big cliffhanger. You know, if you don't immediately watch 29, you pretty good assumptions that Ida's dead. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's literally what I have in my notes. I said, is Ida going to die? I mean, that's yeah. that's my last note for episode 28. I'm so glad we didn't leave off on episode 28. Can you imagine having to quit this episode right now? <laughs> yeah, that like, would be Like, with rough. no further knowledge, I would be so, like, no, I wouldn't have it. I'd be like, we have to watch this now. <laughs> I, I'll say this, too, now. I think this is a good time to say it. I'm super glad to see villains back, like, on the show. Me, too. Like, the fights between the heroes were fun, but the villains just... The, the villains in the show are so dang good. Yes, and... I'll say this too. Um, I'm also glad that the show hasn't proven f too formulaic because if it were just villains all the time, it would turn into like a villain of the week, which would just be untenable. It would, it would be like, it, it was the same problem that like shows like Power Rangers and Scooby-Doo had where if you have a villain, a different villain every single week, then villains just get silly and they, and they don't mean anything. So right. instead what my hero has done is they've, space the villains out and built them up in those interim times. We're still getting character development and motivations and stuff about Shigaraki during the 
the this festival arc. Um, and I'd much rather have a few super compelling villains than a hundred really lame ones. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's that's the one of the coolest things about my hero is that the world feels real. It's not full of just bad guys and good guys. It's it's full of these people that actually have really complex lives, and you know they're just doing the best they can with what they got. You know, yeah. it's it's neat. It's not like a lot of other. I wouldn't say it's like a lot of the other animes where you just have these very common like anime tropes and and these kind of single dimension characters. You know what I mean? That are just put in these bad guy versus good guy situations. Yeah, there's and, a lot more going on here. And just like you said earlier, continuing to develop what a hero is and what they do at the beginning of episode 29 and, and the very end of episode 28, Midoriya is told to stay at the train by literally everybody. Um, but he runs off in the direction particularly initially of Gran Torino. Um, Cause I think at that time he wasn't, he wasn't aware that there was more than one Nomu. There was like three of them, I think that are unleashed on the city, maybe four. Yeah. You know, he doesn't even actually end up like, reconnecting with Gran Torino in this episode at all. Not at all. He gets sidetracked. But you know who does connect with Gran Torino? <laughs> Our buddy Endeavor. Yeah. Why don't you ex- was, walk us through that scene? Yeah, it was so unexpected. Like, Gran Torino's about to fight off this Nomu. And Gran Torino's a pretty, like, agile little dude, right? I mean, he got around that city pretty freaking quick. To From, like, getting for, off the train into the middle of the city where combat's happening, it was like a blink of an eye, it seemed. Uh, and right as he's about to punch this Nomu, all of a sudden the Nomu goes up in flames and Endeavor is like, ha I am here, you know, just being himself. Uh, and it was so funny because one of the other people, I don't think it was Gran Torino that said it, but one of the people were like, "What are you, what's Endeavor doing here? You know, this is Hosu City. It's not even near him. And he's like, well, I'm here because I'm a hero. Well, and he also and- mentions that he's hunting Stain, too. Yeah, he mentions that to Todoroki. I don't know that he mentions it in, in to the people, but there's a scene later with Todoroki and Endeavor, and he mentions, like, okay, we're going to Hosu City because we know what Hero Killer Stain's patterns look like, and he has not left Hosu City yet. He has not killed enough people or whatever. Um, now, the interesting thing here, though, he mentions that uh, he has no idea who Gran Torino is. And I just think that that's interesting because I was under the impression that Gran Torino was a pretty popular pro hero. Like, he was fighting alongside or best friends with the seventh one-for-all owner. He was a teacher at UA, even if he was just a teacher for, like, what, a year, I think they said? Yeah, I think I think but, he wasn't. I think he was just a homeroom teacher, too. I don't think they said anything beyond that. Yeah, I don't know. I just I was surprised to hear that Endeavor, who you could argue is the number one hero right now, didn't know a pro hero from his past. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes sense. I mean, I feel like that would be like... Um, I mean, that would be like a hockey player not knowing who Wayne Gretzky is, you know? Well, maybe it's because, I mean, maybe Gran Torino has shrunk in his old age. That's fair. Like, maybe he just doesn't recognize him. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like everybody knew who Adam West was. That's true, but if you shrunk Adam West down to like a third of his size, I mean, I might not know who he was at first glance in public. I mean, you gotta you gotta understand, there's a lot of stuff going on, too. I don't know how much time Endeavor is like trying to study this other hero on the scene That's right true. now. But it's pretty typical of me to get caught up on something that doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it is sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we've got this craziness happening here with Gran Torino, and Endeavor is now on the scene. No moves are wrecking city all over the place. Like, there are three of them. They're all completely different looking. Uh, they all seem to have very different quirks, too. Yeah, one, uh, of them, normal- one of them can fly. Yeah, one of them can fly, and and the rest, uh, none of them appear to be as strong as the original Nomu, though. And I think uh, Shigaraki actually mentions that they're not as strong. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, 
we go from seeing Gran Torino and Endeavor back to normal hero who is like way out of his league for this. He's fighting Nomu's with two or three other pro heroes that are also way out of their league. Like they shouldn't even be trying to fight these things. Yeah. Normal hero is just bending water at them. That's what we find out his quirk to be is he's, he's, he's a waterbender functionally. At least that's all we see is him kind of like tossing some water at them. Yeah, and, and this is when Midoriya shows up uh, at this scene, not where Gran Torino is, and he's kind of piecing everything together and realizes, like, okay, this has got to be something else going on. Uh, he hears the normal hero talk about how Ida just, like, ditched him, and he's like, okay, that's not like Ida at all. What is going on here? He kind of starts to piece it together and realizes Ida's probably going after hero killer Stain. Let's go find him. Yeah, and it, it felt... To me, that scene just felt weird because it it was designed in such a way that it almost made it look like it took Midori a long time to figure out why Ida wanted to be in Hosu in the first place. Yeah, and it, I was like, I how as smart as he is, as quick as he is to piece together pieces of information, why did it take until this moment for him to be like, oh snap, <laughs> you know, and and finally things click click into place for him? But yeah, like I'm I'm right there with you. I felt like it. It seemed like he already knew, and the fact that he had to reestablish it in this beginning of this episode felt kind of weird to me. Um, but then, you know, it, we go, we get this scene where you describe Shigaraki talking to the masters and wanting to kill off Hero Killer Stain, getting the Nomus popping back into the city and releasing them. Um, you know, and it's it, this whole dynamic with Shigaraki and these masters is really odd to me because we we still don't know if the masters are Shigaraki's like fathers or what's going on there but the way that they interact with each other is just so odd you know yeah I I think when they were at the USJ he referred to one of them interchangeably possibly as father and master and I think I had said that those two terms aren't necessarily mutually exclusive they could be talking about the same person could be talking about different people but I am still under the impression right now that Shigaraki is being groomed to take over the League of Villains. And that yeah. they're just like, listen, you've got to... And, and it, it is... It's several times in these two episodes, or in, in a little bit in the last episode that we had, he's given or forced into learning opportunities. Where, remember when Kuro Giri was like you know, talking to this master guy, should I intervene? And he's like, no, he's got to learn. Um, And so he's definitely being, being raised up, being cultivated to be a villain and like the most villainy villain. Well, he's definitely doing a good job. I mean, (laughs) the guy is like absolutely destroying this city. So before Midoriya ends up catching up with, Ida, um, who he's who he's presuming now is with Stain, correctly. Um, Ida rolls up on Stain. Stain has got another hero. I think the hero's name was Native. Yeah, he um, appears to be some sort of like Native American. Yeah, it's very. Well, I say on Native the nose. American. It's very like Native American looking, but they're in Japan. So. Right, right. But then again, the Japanese, you know, they. There was that moment in the earlier episodes where I was like, if this has taken place in Japan, why doesn't Deku understand that Deku means the other thing too? But anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, well, there's some a- inconsistencies there just for <laughs> writing's sake. Right, right. Um, but yeah, he so he gets there and is immediately leveled by... So he rushes in, Stain just like basically one-shots him to the ground and then does some damage with his swords, incapacitates Ida. So Ida's down on the ground and Stain takes one of his swords 
jams it down into Ida's shoulder blade, draws it out and licks it. And when he does, Ida starts freaking out because his body is paralyzed. And I was, it's not his whole body. Everybody that Stain paralyzes is able to speak. So it's not whole body paralysis. And that kind of drove me crazy. I mean, I get why you have to do that from a narrative perspective. (laughs) Right. Like you can't have all of your main characters just sitting on the floor doing nothing. Yeah. It's just like his quirk would be like, if he licks your blood, you're paralyzed except for your jaw and your vocal cords and your lungs, you know, like all these. And your tongue. Yeah. And your eyes. Because I think they're always looking around and stuff. Yeah. It's it's very uh, like it's not even from. I mean, I guess it could be from like the neck up. I guess, I mean, because paralysis doesn't necessarily mean that your lungs don't work, but maybe That's it's true. And like I guess neck maybe, down paralysis. Maybe you also have to consider the way that it invokes paralysis. Like, it may be blocking brain signals to certain parts of your body. Yeah, yeah. You know, or it could be, like, uh, venom of some kind. Well, we know that it's not venom, because we know how his quirk works now, but I was thinking it could be, like, a um, like a coagulant, I think is the word, where it, like, f- like, thickens your blood so your muscles contract and you can't move. That could be. How, how exactly, Adam, does somebody figure out that they have this quirk? That is an awesome question. And I don't even, I, I can't even begin to imagine how you figure this out. Maybe he bit somebody as a kid, you know, like a four or five year old, and you guys are arguing or something on the playground. And you but bite the quirks and, kicked in at like junior high ish, or well, maybe not, not junior well, high. Age, got but, his at like five or six, didn't he? Maybe. Yeah, maybe they were a bit younger. I just, I think, I, I could think of many times in my life where my blood ended up in my mouth somehow. Does, does his quirk work against himself? Um, like if he bit, accidentally cut the inside of his mouth, would he be paralyzed? Uh, I, I just wonder. I'm just his, thinking of all the quirk times I've yeah, like I'm thinking of all the times I've bitten my cheek when eating. Like, would yeah. his quirk kick in then? That's a good point. I hadn't. I would think that he probably could dispel his own quirk, though. Maybe not. I, I guess not. Yeah, uh, we haven't seen him manually dismiss it like it was some sort of spell that he could dismiss or, or cut short. Yeah. Um, it seemed to be I a duration. I Honestly, I hadn't even considered... Well, you know what's funny is, you, you mentioned this, I had messaged you individually, and I was like, how do you even have a power like... Uh, hero killer stains and be a good guy like that kind of domination power just feels evil you know yeah it goes right back to shinzo like we we were convinced that shinzo was going to be evil to the core uh and he just wants to be a good dude so i guess you know at the end of the day it's all how you use your quirk right yeah i mean that it's 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 an interesting spin on nature versus nurture yeah, you know? I just I have no idea how someone like Hero Killer Stain could be a hero with that kind of quirk. Like, wh- how would you fight villains in in that kind of way? You know what I mean? Well, later on in my notes, and this is a perfectly fine way to talk about it. So Stain, his aesthetic is amazing. I love the Absolutely. way that he looks. I've I've said from the first time we saw him, like at the very end of the last episode of the first season, they kind of look like Spawn. Um, but now that we've seen more than just his silhouette. Well, we get so many close-ups in this episode. Yes. Like, the camera is always in his face. And he's got knives all over him and a sword, and his tongue is hanging out, and he's wearing, like, this mask over his eyes and all this kind of stuff. And he reminded me of a couple different characters, and the first one that he reminded me of kind of could speak to what you're struggling with. Like, how could he be a hero and have this quirk? Because one of the first things, especially once I got to understand what his quirk actually was and how it worked, he reminded me of Adam X, the extreme from Marvel comics. Right. Right. Um, Because 
Adam X like ran around with a bunch of sharp pointy objects all over him with the intent, and he was a good guy, um, with the intent of drawing blood because he could make your blood explode if, if it was exposed to oxygen. So how are you a good guy if you have that kind of quirk? Adam X, the extreme, seemed to make that work. Um, yeah, but the fact that he's not around anymore makes me feel like that didn't make it work. You I know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like he's back somehow now. Is he? Okay, I was going to say, I don't think I've seen him in a comic in, like, ages. If, if I mean, it could just be X-Men Twitter goofing around because they talk often about uh, heroes that they miss, like yeah. uh, like Maggot. Um, but they've <laughs> also talked about um, X-Man, and X-Man is back now all of a sudden. X- X-Man is back? Yeah, he's, like, oh, the thing character. in X-Men comics right now. That's insane. Well, I, I know Hickman's about to completely reboot X-Men, so yeah. I'm interested in seeing what happens there. If Adam um, X the Extreme isn't back, then he's been like talked about recently. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Then the other person that, the other thing that Stain kind of reminds me of aesthetically is Slash from the Ninja Turtles, like old school Ninja Turtles. Where I can totally see that. The mask that he's wearing looks like a Ninja Turtle, you know, like a Ninja Turtle mask. And occasionally he's drawn without his pupils, also like Ninja Turtles. And he doesn't have a nose, which is, makes him look like he's got a turtle beak a little bit, or at least that more rounded, um, you know, facial structure. Yeah, totally. Well, and, and to me, he reminds me of Sue. And I, I, I messaged you that and told you, like, there's something about Hero Killer Stain that looks like Sue to me from from my hero. Um, the the I think it's the no nose. Like, that no nose just has that general facial structure. Uh, but I had posed the question, like, wouldn't it be crazy if Hero Killer Stain was related to Sue somehow? And I, I don't think that's going to pan out at all. See, I figured it was not the lack of a nose, because Sue does have, like, a little tiny button nose thing. Um, but I figured that it was just the long tongue thing that had you chasing down that particular thought. It was more the facial structure, actually. The the, the tongue thing, definitely, but for me, there was some kind of, like... I. I feel like it's the nose. Like I'm looking at a picture of Sue right now and I agree. She does have like a kind of a little nose, but other than that, I feel like they kind of have a similar facial structure. Yeah. Well, we have this confrontation that's going down in this alleyway and there's a really, really interesting conversation that takes place between Ida and Stain here. After Ida has been paralyzed by Stain's power, Ida's like, I'm going to kill you speaking to Stain. And he, he's like, listen, I'm the brother of Ingenium or Ingenium, however you want to say it, I'm going to kill you. And then Stain points a sword over at Native and says, save him first. Don't use your power on yourself. Um, And I think he even says something like, being taken in by the hatred before you and trying to fulfill your own desires, that's the furthest thing that you could possibly be from a hero. And this is almost exactly like verbatim what he heard from normal hero manual earlier. Yeah, he's heard this exact message pretty much like back to back three or four times in one day. <laughs> yes, and it's very interesting that it's not coming just from a hero. You know, I think, and you and I talked about this a, a little off air, that Stain is doing the work of a hero from his perspective. Um, that it's, when he's going around, he's trying to call these what he calls shams and fakers trying to get rid of some of these heroes. And there is even a comment, I don't remember who it was by, maybe Kirogiri or, or Shigaraki, um, where they say in, in these cities where he's operated, the crime rate has dropped. He's been successful in making cities better. He just does it in this very odd way. Um, and 
again, this that fits with Stain's philosophy. Stain is not using his quirk for his own gain. Stain is using his quirk out of the necessity that he perceives in others. He is being a hero as far as he is concerned, and I kind of see where he's coming from. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely get it. It doesn't make him right, though. You know what I mean? You're right. I think that he, from his perspective, again, he thinks that the ends justify the means. And sure. I think even Kurogiri is like, it's working, therefore maybe he's on to something here. Yeah, because Kurogiri seems to be a huge proponent of having Hero Killer Stain as part of the League of Villains. Or whatever they're going by now that that name has been ruined since USJ. Yeah, I think that he sees Stain as a heavy hitter. Like, his quirk is real, real good. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and can be used to nefarious ends for sure. It's just that Stain doesn't think that he's using him to nefarious ends at all. I mean, this is the classic example of a villain being convinced that what they're doing actually is good. Yeah. See, he's not out there to be a villain for villain's sake like Shigaraki is. They are very drastically different on that front. They are. Yeah, they definitely are. And this is sort of when finally Hero Killer Stain is like, all right, well, if you're going to be this way, be this way. You know, I don't want to have to make uh, a uh, a scene out of this, but I will if, if you need me to. And he just is going to kill Ida. Like, <laughs> like, no second thoughts. Just like, all right, you're dead. And right as he's about to shove that sword through his face, uh, we get this great scene where, like, I, you know, you're looking down at Ida paralyzed on the ground and in the background you see Midoriya jumping from wall to wall to wall which yes. if you remember in last episode he couldn't even get the first jump off and it's been what like 24 hours if that I mean it seems that way anyway so he, he's jumping back and forth and he just nails Stain gets him off of Ida I mean it was such an incredible scene like I, I knew he would save the day but the way he did it was just so freaking cool yep Midoriya rolling up on the scene is 100% freaking awesome even though he's only using 5% he's mastered the jumps he lands a punch with no discernible damage our boy has grown up right before our eyes in this show right here and he, he shows yeah. up on the scene and he tells Ida's like what are you doing here and he straight up says I came to save you yeah again like again he is saving Ida's butt uh, where, you know, like, I guess he hasn't really saved, saved him, but he's like showing him how to be a hero is what I mean, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's great because he even says something to Hero Killer Stain. Like, I think he's kind of muttering to himself, like he's thinking of All Might. And he says something along the lines of, you know, a hero is a hero because he meddles where he's not supposed to be. Uh, and Hero Killer Stain is like, oh, you may actually be a hero. And I have in quotes, he says, you even made a big entrance, which is something that All Might is huge about, you yep. know? Uh, and so we get this awesome showdown between Stain and Midoriya here for a couple minutes. Um, and Midoriya makes a really interesting comment. He says that Stain is not like a normal villain. He has the eyes of a fanatic. And I think that was kind of interesting, like just kind of saying like this dude is just totally off his rocker, at least as far as a hero is concerned. You know? I, th I think in the manga he says he's got the eyes of a killer even. like Oh, really? Yeah, it takes it even just that one step further. But yeah, this fight between Midoriya and Stain is the hypest thing in this series so far. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and, but Midoriya actually sends out like a quick message because he realizes he's in a bad place. He's like, I I needed pro heroes to be here. I I should not be here for this. Yeah, definitely. This this hype level is increased as Midoriya is pulling what Ida recognized as some like Bakugo esque moves from back definitely. when they were doing the hero versus villains bomb thing back at the uh, academy. 
Um, and then the hype, the hype train just keeps on rolling because uh, Midoriya and Stain end up in this little bit of a standoff and then all of a sudden flames erupt down the alleyway in their general direction and Stain ends up backing off. And I think initially you might, you were primed almost to think that it was Endeavor, but it's not. It's Todoroki, which makes this even even crazier. This scene, yeah. th- I'm telling you, episode 29, best episode so far. It's not even yeah. close. It's not even close. Well, and it's the way that it all just comes together is so epic because you've got this scene where Midoriya has gotten this awesome sneak shot on Hero Killer Stain. They've been going at it, and then finally Hero Killer Stain gets a little bit of his blood, licks the blood. Midoriya's down on the ground, paralyzed, and Hero Killer Stain's just about to kill Ida. Or no, I think he may actually be trying to. No, yeah, he's he's trying to kill Ida at this point. Yeah, and that's when Todoroki shows up. And as Todoroki shows up, this awesome background music starts. Like it is just so epic. The way it all flows is just so well done. Yeah, Stain has no interest. I don't think in killing Midoriya. But I think he has a lot of respect for Midoriya. He does yeah. recognize him as a target of Shigaraki's. Like he. Because Shigaraki had a Polaroid of Midoriya at one point during that little interview scene in the bar. Yeah. But yeah, he is totally like, listen, this kid, this kid has got, he's, he's legit. So yeah, I'm going to do my he, best to keep him alive. He even says something like, there are a lot of fake phony heroes around here, but you actually are worth letting live. Yep. You know, like you seem like a hero. So that was kind of cool. Uh, but, th- you know, then we get Todoroki facing off against Stain, and that was awesome. Like, he's trying to get... Stain's trying to get up in Todoroki's face. Todoroki's keeping him at a distance, so he's throwing all these knives at him. Yeah, Todoroki's initial tactics is to try to keep his distance, but he starts... um, So Stain kind of gets into his ear a little bit about how he keeps breaking line of sight with a faster opponent, like Todoroki by using his ice and by blasting his fire he keeps misplacing Stain and Stain is able to throw all these knives and I think two or three of them end up in Todoroki's arm there's even this like crazy wicked scene where Stain like comes in and manages one of his knives manages to cut Todoroki on his cheek I think this is before the ones go into his arm maybe and he comes in and just tries to straight up lick on Todoroki's face and, and he has to like blast him away real quick. Yes, how weird was that? Like yeah, he's that like, listen, nuts. I don't have to lick it off a knife. I'll take it right off of your cheek next to your eyeball. I mean, he yeah. got in that close. That's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. Uh, <laughs> this is one of the best fight sequences we've seen so far, hands down. Like bar none. The animation here is phenomenal. Everything about it's great. Uh, th- there's this awesome scene that I love where there Todoroki sees. Ida laying on the ground, and he's like, oh, that's Ingenium? Like, that's kind of strange, because the Ingenium I know doesn't have that look on his face. And you see Ida, who is, like, in tears. He's freaking out. Like, Ida's like, why are you guys here? This is my fight. Maybe I can't fight it, but I'm not going to lay here and watch you guys die, you know. He, he doesn't want to, but he has no option. He's paralyzed, right? He's trying to motivate Ida to get up off the ground in kind of a mean way almost. Like saying, like, you know, hey, look, if you're really Ingenium, then get up and be Ingenium. Don't just lay there and claim his name, you know? Definitely. And and this is what makes this conversation so cool. So the last, like, four or five minutes of this episode, maybe, is Todoroki rolling up on the scene, stealing the show, not just in this confrontation with Stain, but also in this this challenge or this intervention with Ida. 
And so, like you said, he's already said, like, hey, the, the Ingenium, I would know he, he wouldn't have had this look of vengeance and, and hate on his face. So Ida's getting chastised mid-battle. He can't do a thing about it. And then later on, Todoroki at the very end is like, look properly at what you want to be. Decide what you want to be. And Todoroki, it, it, this kind of reminded me of like this, we now have this heritage or this lineage of inspiration inspirations and muses one for the other so you have uh, Midoriya who inspires Todoroki and challenges him to rise to the mantle of a hero in his own right and now you have Todoroki doing the same thing to Ida and so you have this this multiplication going on or or you know it's almost like a pay it forward of listen let's let's get up and do this hero thing together we're here and, and Todoroki even in his own right is speaking hero language if that makes sense like he shows up and and he's mentioning to he's talking to Stain and or, or maybe to Midoriya and he says listen I'm here to protect them and he, and by them he's referring to the two people that are still paralyzed in uh native and and uh Ida because we we learn or we see Midoriya gets up he manages to shake this quirk off we find out that Stain's quirk is duration it has a duration. It has an eight-minute duration, but it depends on what kind of blood that you have. So, right. I think, I think if, this was the scene where he was about to kill Native because everyone's paralyzed but Todoroki, and and that's when Midoriya shows up and like punches him out of the way. Yeah, and we kind of get this like, oh, you know, I'm type O. Well, I'm type A. Well, I'm type B. Yeah, and, right. Which is <laughs> so then, strange that it works on blood type, but it does. It is. Speaking of that, so I actually there was a really interesting article I stumbled across today. Totally nothing to do with My Hero Academia, but I thought it was interesting in the same kind of fashion that uh, Stain's quirk works off of blood type and him ingesting the blood of people and it causes them to be paralyzed, I guess, up to a certain amount of time. I found an article where apparently doctors have figured out how to take blood and turn any type of blood into type O, so that way whenever they're donating blood, if they don't have the blood that's compatible, they can actually convert it to be compatible blood, which is, like, crazy. That's magic is what that is. That It really is. Like, I, I don't understand the science behind it, but I thought it was a really neat article, and I read it the same day we were going to talk about this, so I was like, I've got to bring it up. Imagine if Stain and like a villain that could change blood types teamed up. He could paralyze anybody for eight minutes, you know? That's crazy. Yeah. So Todoroki has some thoughts before they figure out the blood type. And we see him being real sharp. He thinks that either it's less effective the more people that he paralyzes at once, or it depends on the amount ingested, you know, that affects how long it lasts. Uh, But yeah, it just turns out to be blood type, which is strange. But, you know, you got to limit these things somehow. Yeah, but I also really like how some of these quirks have been handled. Like, they don't work the way you would expect them to. There's actual kind of science behind it, you know? Like, I think it's Bakugo's sweat explodes. We saw the one girl who, it looks like she can create water, but she's actually, you know, handling, like, oxygen atoms and turning them into water. And I don't know, like, I just think it's neat that so many of these quirks have, like, actual functions that make sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we kind of end this episode... We're still on a cliffhanger at the end of episode 29. I mean, we definitely would have been on a much larger one at the end of episode 28. But Todoroki, again, is is still kind of talking with Ida as they're trying to keep staying at bay. And he reflects just on hate in general. We learn that he went to his mom and apologized and his mom forgave him. And he mentions that his mom wants him to move forward without holding anything back and that that would make her happy, that that would be her salvation, which may be the only form of salvation that she can have being stuck in this hotel or this uh, hospital, rather, um, 
at the request of Endeavor is just to see her son live well. Um, and then this, this is when Todoroki is like, so you got to figure out what you want to be. Because now I think Todoroki finally has a firm grasp of who he wants to be and who he feels like he can be. I think he kind of got maybe an element of permission from his mom, um, you know, who had this resentment when he was younger about his fire element side. And in this hospital may have communicated that, you know, she's, she's past that or she wants him to, to just be himself and part of himself like Deku or Midoriya explained is this, uh, this control over the, the fire half of his body. So we're left in the lurch. The scene is still ongoing and, uh, we're, I'm kind of bummed out because just based on the episode titles, which you and I kind of glanced over very briefly and they announce at the end of each of the episodes, it kind of seems like stain is not long for being a a part an active part of the narrative. And that bumps me out because he's so good. He's so entertaining (laughs) to watch. Yeah, Yeah, he really is. Uh, and I'm right there with you. Like, I really hope that he doesn't just get killed or just disappears in this next episode. Cause I feel like, like a four or five episode arc with him is just not long enough. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, if he's, off the table somehow and who knows like I don't even think he's got to die or, or be incarcerated it could just be that he just is satisfied like with uh, I get the feeling there's no satisfying this guy I mean but I don't know I'm trying to think I'm trying not to be too locked in on too static in my thinking like yeah. what if he sees in Todoroki and Midoriya the the kind of heroes that he's trying to raise up and, and it's just like you know what you guys are it you know, and, and so you you kind of get the idea that maybe they show him like it's possible that there are going to be better heroes in the future, and he's like, okay, I'll go home. Yeah, I mean, so long as like a uh, naval laser guy doesn't show up, I think he could maintain. <laughs> I mean, because if naval laser boy, he's if like, he shows I'm up, kill him just because. <laughs> yeah, if, I mean, if he shows up, he's totally in it for glitz and glamour. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. He's constantly looking at the people who are looking at him, meaning us. Like he's he's an audience seeker. Like yeah. Stain would have no part of him. He would be dead. That's um, funny. <laughs> but I, I, I don't think that's how it's going to go. I'm just trying to, you know, be a little flexible because if if you listen to this podcast, you'll you'll often hear us sometimes say, I think it'll be this thing or that thing, and it'll be neither one. So I'm trying yeah, to... Or not even close. <laughs> yeah. I mean, heck, I think the principle has betrayed everybody, so... Right, right. <laughs> I will say, episode 29, best episode of the series so far. Oh, yeah. However, it's missing one thing. Minetta. Manetta. There was no Manetta. No Manetta this this episode. Man, Stain and Manetta. How would Stain react to Manetta? I want a side series where Stain and Manetta go on adventures. Uh, like, did you do you watch Game of Thrones? No. Oh, okay, I can't make that reference then. I read the books. Um, okay, so this is so this is maybe like uh, season three or four Game of Thrones spoilers, just in case anybody out there has not watched yet. I'm gonna give you a couple seconds. <laughs> All right, so I would love a, a side series where it's Manetta and Hero Killer Stain traveling like Arya Stark and the Hound. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can that would see be that. awesome. Because can't you see Manetta being like, well, hey, why don't we go kill Mount Lady? You know, like, if you know what I mean, let's yeah. kill her. <laughs> you know, like, just being super creepy and Hero Killer Stain oh, being gosh. like, oh, my God, why I don't did you... want anything to oh, do with you. <laughs> okay, so, oh, man, I wish you hadn't brought up Mount Lady because I, I envisioned how that scene would play out is Stain would attack, paralyze her, 
and then it would just be Mineta's field day. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, they would have a ball together, I think, in the most messed up way. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is awful. It is awful. Like, but the, I feel like their personalities would be hilarious to watch interact. You know what I'm saying? Like, on a day-to-day, just, like, what would eating lunch with Mineta and Hero Killer Stain be like? I 100% though think that Stain would kill Mineta, and I'll tell you Absolutely. why. It's because he he would struggle with the very same things that we do with Mineta, which is how in the world is this kid supposed to be a hero? <laughs> like yeah. Stain, yeah. Stain is very much the person that's like, nah, only the good ones, only yeah. the ones that are actually heroic and stuff, and we get none of that from Mineta. That's funny. <laughs> Anyways, in spoilers, if you are listening and you want to try and get through spoilers no more game of thrones spoilers there yeah we're all done we're, we're done with episodes done. 28 and 29 it looks like stain will probably not last through our next recording session which is totally gonna bum me out but he he was worth the trip i mean this yeah absolutely he was. he was so much fun he's so well designed he's so well and interestingly motivated i just hate to see him go for for that and that alone i, I hope I think we're that, wrong like i really hope we're wrong on this one yeah i mean i i think that i mean he is he is a really really interesting foil to shigaraki um and i could i could watch more of those two and their differing philosophies um competing easily i, I would be all over that yeah no definitely me too all right, man. Well, let's go watch episodes 30, 31, figure out how this plays out, because I got to know. It's, it's, it's queued up for me at the house. We got to get out of here and go watch that stuff. All right. Well, let's, let's meet back together next week. We'll talk about it. You guys uh, keep up with us at home to the best of your abilities. Feel free to hit us up on Twitter or pop in on the Discord. Yeah, uh, we'd love to have up you. At, uh, what are we at, uh, on Twitter? I don't even uh, know. Almighty Pod? Almighty Pod. Uh, I'm at The Real Simzo. I'm at Earth Nerd Atkins, and you can always hit us up at uh, Actback Patio Net as well. We are we're on all kinds of Twitters. Yep, we're trying. We're, we want to be accessible to conversations and interactions. So, uh, any one of those methods will bring you right to uh, either mine or Adam's eyes and ears. And we're pretty good about uh, talking back to you. We enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Uh, one of the best things about podcasting and getting to talk shows like this is just getting to meet all the awesome people out there that enjoy these hobbies with us. I mean, that's part of uh, what the back patio is for is just enjoying hobbies with folks and making good friends. So find us, talk to us in our discord channel. That's devoted quote unquote to almighty pod. We talk about all kinds of anime. So if you know, if you jump in, come for uh, my hero academia and hang out for all the other things that we talk about as well. Yeah. There's one in there that people keep mentioning. I'm really interested about, I think it's called like, uh, Evangelion or something like that. Yeah, Evangelion. Yeah, yeah, that one. Like I've, I have heard nothing but good remarks about that show. So maybe that's one we'll have to check out eventually. Yep. And there's a couple of people in there who aren't really, you know, big, big on Dragon Ball Z. We're, we're trying to save them. We, <laughs> it's listen. It's, it's our evangelical task at this point. It is. It is. Uh, in fact, didn't you even write an article about how the uh, Dragon Ball Z folks ought, ought to be evangelicals? Yes, they have a moral obligation to, after they've been resurrected and seen what the afterlife holds, to be evangelists. I wrote a very strongly opinionated post on that, uh, yeah. Nerds on Earth. It's great. It's a great post. Uh, but anyways, that's been this week of Almighty Podcast. Thanks for listening. Adkins, thanks for showing up, man. Yes, sir. We'll see you next week. We'll see you guys next week.
Almighty Podcast is a production of the Back Patio Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out our others at backpationetwork.com. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash backpationetwork. And feel free to hit us up on Twitter at at backpationet or at almightypod. We'd love the chance to talk with you.